Hello, I'm Rob, and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 28th of June, 2023. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading this week, we have myself Rob, Christine, Angela, Liz, Sportsman Ian, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition we have local news of the black country, including the lifestyle newsletter for July, an update from Beacon, the quiz with Mina, the latest news from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves. A did you know section of Flashback Roger. The weather for the week ahead. Our bulletin of practical information and sight loss tips. Local news to start though, with Christine, Ian, Liz. But first, we have Angela. West Midlands Mayor Andy Street has responded to questions following news that the region's main bus operator will be raising fares by as much as 26%. On Monday, National Express West Midlands, NXWM, which runs 93% of West Midlands buses, announced it was increasing ticket prices from July the 3rd. Under the new tariff, an all-day ticket will rise from £4 to £4.50 and a weekly ticket from £15 to £17. Single tickets might go up from £2 to £2.70 as 26% increase if NXWM decides not to continue with the government's £2 price cap scheme, recently extended until November. The Mayor released a statement yesterday saying the increase was disappointing and emphasised that West Midlands bus fares had been frozen for six years whilst they rose elsewhere. He explained that without the increase, nearly half the network would be at risk of cuts and said he would not allow it to be decimated. In September, Mr Street had announced a fair freeze until 2025, ahead of the Tory conference, but this is no longer going ahead. The local democracy reporting service, LDRS, asked Mr Street if he felt undermined by NXWM's change of course. He insisted no, saying it was his firm belief last year that freezes could be maintained because bus usage was increasing. But he said usage had since plateaued and the strong background of freezes and reductions could not be maintained. Transport for West Midlands is currently in partnership with NXWM and other operators to try to improve bus services in the region, with version 1 established in June 2021 and version 2 last year. The upcoming third version of the partnership will be entered in July. 
which means the company will increase prices just before signing up to the conditions. Mr Street contrasted prices in the region with high affairs in Manchester and Liverpool. He added, we shouldn't be too ready to criticise our model because it has actually demonstrably delivered lower ticket prices here. Final tests are being carried out ahead of the opening of the Wolverhampton Metro extension, but an exact date is yet to be set. The long-awaited £50 million Metrolink from St George's down Piper's Row to Railway Plaza was meant to be completed in 2020, but has been beset by budget hikes and delays. Bosses at Midland Metro Alliance say the final stages of testing and commissioning are being carried out, but called it a complex process, which means a definitive date for its opening cannot yet be given. A Midland Metro Alliance spokesperson said the Midland Metro Alliance is currently carrying out the final stages of testing and commissioning, which is a complex process that involves interface with multiple stakeholders ahead of handing the line over to the operator for driver familiarisation. The project was first delayed by 18 months due to construction work at the railway station. Metro bosses then hoped the 720-metre extension would be ready for the Commonwealth Games in July, but pushed back the opening date until autumn 2022. Then last October, the project was again pushed back to spring 2023, a date which has been missed. Midlands Metro Alliance Director Peter Cushing previously blamed complexities of installing the systems needed to run the trams down, Piper's Row and supply chain problems for the delays. The delays and supply chain issues increased the bill for the Wolverhampton extension by £10 million. The project was first projected to cost £35 million, but will now cost the taxpayer £50 million. The first weekend of the Seven Valley Railway's step back to the 1940s event was off to a sun and steam-powered start. The first of two 1940s weekends at the Seven Valley Railway was off to a roaring start on Saturday as over 1,300 people descended on the historic railway line for some rip-roaring 1940s fun. Running for over two decades, the event recreates a taste of life on the home front for thousands of visitors for two weekends each summer along the 16 miles of railway. Dan Shorthouse, the railway's marketing manager, said the event gives an immersive flavour of the period and is always really popular with visitors. Over 1,300 people have already visited and we'll see that again on Saturday there's plenty of things happening, workshops, themed 40s food, a fun fair and a big band show on Saturday evenings and of course the steam trains. Four steam trains run during the event from Kidderminster through to Bridge North with something to see at every station including 1940s stores, a police station and hundreds of live reenactors. Passengers can hop on and off, taking in the sights, sounds and tastes of the world at home during the Second World War. The event returns on Saturday July 1st and Sunday the 2nd. For more booking and more information, visit svr.co.uk. An 18-year-old avid reader from Wolverhampton has released her first ever novel, which draws on vital themes surrounding pollution. 
Matat Summon, a homeschooled student and member of the Way Youth Zone, has recently released her debut novel Breath as an e-book on Amazon. The inspiring story revolves around a group of friends who make a treacherous journey through a world ruined by pollution to make it to an eco-city where they can finally breathe without a gas mask. The story explores themes of grief, gratitude and sustainability. Matat, who is a member of the Way Youth Zone in Wolverhampton, was inspired to write the novel by her mother, who has published six books of her own. My favourite hobby is reading, and I've always enjoyed coming up with stories and writing them down, Matat said. The story was inspired by my desire for people to stop taking the planet for granted. Salmon has been attending the Way Youth Zone for four years. As a homeschooled student, she says that the Youth Zone has been a great place for her to meet new friends and try new skills. I've always found the team of youth workers at The Way to be supportive and helpful, Matat said. They've helped me to build my confidence, and I've made some great friends there. Jade Dorset, a youth worker from The Way Youth Zone, said we are so proud of Matat's achievement. She is a great example of the potential of the young people we meet in our youth zone. Her creativity and confidence shines through in her writing, and we are sure she will be one to watch in the future. Breath is available for purchase as an e-book on Amazon. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update. Hi everyone, it's Helen from Beacon, back with your weekly update. And I'm starting this week with some exciting news about our shops. Our Bilston branch is getting a new look. We can't wait to freshen it up, but it means that we'll have to close the doors to the shop from July the 1st until July the 10th when we're due to reopen while work is underway. We're so excited to share the finished results with you. But if you're wanting to shop or donate with us whilst Bilston is closed, you can find details of our other sites on our website, www.beaconvision.org forward slash shops. Next up, volunteers needed. Do you have 30 minutes to spare each week? If you want to make a difference for others in your community, why not sign up to become a Beacon Befriender? We're looking for people to join our fantastic team of willing volunteers to make weekly calls or home visits to someone feeling lonely or isolated as demand for our befriending programme increases. We can be flexible to suit your availability. To find out more, give us a call 01902 880 or email people at beaconvision.org. And last this week, we're recruiting. If you think you've got what it takes to be an assistant shop manager in one of our stores, we want to hear from you. We can offer competitive benefits, a generous holiday allowance and a fun working environment led by an inspirational CEO. You can find out more about this role and any other available jobs on our website. It's www.beaconvision.org forward slash jobs. Alternatively, call us on 01902 That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon. Bye-bye. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Here we go. Question 1. Why did sea bathing become popular? 
Question two. What brought prosperity to seaside towns? Question three. What were swimming cabins also known as? Question four. In what year did the bikini first appear? Question five. What colour sand can you find on some beaches in the Bahamas? And finally, question six. What is the name of the fish responsible for the snow white tropical sands? I will be back later with you in the show, but for now, good luck. Just those questions, Mina. I'll get my mind working on those. Up now, however, it's another block of local news. Windrush campaigner and activist Patrick Vernon has talked about the importance of heritage and history in the run-up to his BBC appearance. The campaigner appeared on the DIY programme The Repair Shop last week, where he got a vintage radiogram with a long history repaired by experts. The radiogram was handed down to Mr Vernon by his late friend Eddie Noble, who was a Second World War veteran born in Jamaica who settled in the UK following his service in the RAF. Mr Vernon, convener of the Windrush 75 network, said, It was fantastic to appear on the show. It was a real honour. They featured four items on the episode with links to the Windrush era. The radiogram is dated back to 1962. It was gifted to me by my late friend Eddie Martin Noble, who volunteered for the RAF in 1943. He was involved in logistical works. He made sure that the correct bombs went onto the correct planes. The radiogram, which combined radios and record players, could be spotted in most British homes after gaining popularity in the 1940s and 1950s. Following the Second World War, Eddie helped to resettle those who came to the UK, helping families build their lives in Britain after their service. Mr Vernon continued... Eddie gifted me this radiogram and his record collection, which featured artists like Nat King Cole and Glenn Miller. I was meaning to get it repaired over the years, and this was the perfect opportunity. They checked the wiring of it, and it was actually quite an easy job for them to do. The radiogram was very important in Caribbean history during the time when my own parents first came over. It was important to socialise. People had house parties and the radiogram was a central part of that. Everyone had a radiogram. Mr Vernon was made an officer of the Order of British Empire, OBE, in the 2012 Birthday Honours for his services to the reduction of health inequality for ethnic minorities after going on to successfully lead a successful campaign to recognise June the 22nd as the annual Windrush Day. The campaigner said that now the radiogram is fixed, it plays a central part in his household, but hopes to teach about the historic item and its history. Mr Vernon said, At the moment it is for personal use. One of the things I'm hoping to do with this is to take it to local schools to teach about old items like this, but also the history behind it, and Eddie too. There is a lot of history in the radiogram and Eddie's role in the Second World War too. I just think if we didn't record the Windrush generation, it would disappear. That's why I campaign really. 
Repair shop star Jay Blades has let a cat out of the bag about an exciting new collaboration with the British TV legend. Mr Blades, who has a presence in both Ironbridge and Wolverhampton, revealed on Twitter that he is working with Only Fools and Horses star Sir David Jason on a show called David and Jay's Travelling Toolshed. Mr Blades tweeted, Good afternoon all, the cat is out of the bag. We both can't wait for you to see it in 2024. Lovely jubbly. Del Boy was partial to a tipple or two, with one cushy moment from Only Fools and Horses playing out in a trendy wine bar where Del's drinking a Beaujolais Nouveau, playing it nice and cool with Trigger, only to end up falling through the bar. A gem of comedy gold. Another hidden gem nestled inside the Staffordshire countryside, which I'm sure Bellboy himself would appreciate, is a winery that has become a popular producer of wines of fine vintage and strong flavour. Halfpenny Green Wine Estate in Bobbington has been producing English wine in the area for 40 years, with recent wines such as the 2019 Chardonnay winning a silver medal at the Decanter World Wine Awards. The estate, which can be found just off Tom Lane, heading towards Halfpenny Green Airport, started out with a half-acre planted by farmer Martin Vickers in 1983 and now covers 30 acres with vines visible across the area. A visit to the estate provides visitors with the opportunity to see the vines as they drive in, with the crest of the hill on the way in providing a stunning view of the vineyard as well as the visitor centre and the factory itself. The factory holds two massive rooms with more than 170 vats, many of which were full of different wines in various states of fermentation, as well as a main room at the back for bottling and labelling the different wines and a number of oak barrels full of white, red and rosé wines. The estate is one of the top 20 producers of English wine in the country, something which has been viewed as a curiosity or an eccentric hobby over the years, but which has seen wines of higher quality produced over the last 20 years. During English Wine Week, winemakers such as Ben Hunt have been keen to talk about the qualities of English wine, as well as what makes their vineyard so special. The 33-year-old, who has been working at the site for 10 years, said it was a fantastic way to celebrate English wine and said Halfpenny Green was a place full of unique wines, all made in a stunning location. He said, when you think of the world of wine, you may think of Italy, France and California, but actually within 10 miles of Wolverhampton, there's a vineyard on the doorsteps of millions of people. We're constantly producing award-winning wines, so people are coming here and they're tasting and enjoying the wines, and when you drive in here, you can see and smell the winery, all here in the beautiful Staffordshire countryside. We've not just got the wines, as we've also got the restaurant and the craft shop and the delicatessen, so you've got everything you need for a great day out. The main attraction of the estate is the wine, as befits the name, and Mr Hunt said there had been a lot of trial and error with planting the vines and cultivating them, and said the soil helped, as well as the location. 
He said, We've got very easy, light and sandy soils here, which the vines love, especially on the hillside and the sloping area, with not too much clay in the soil, and we do avoid the risk of frost as we are facing southwest and the sunshine hits on here most of the time. The first vines in 1983 were a trial plot laid to test if the vines would grow there at all, and over the last 40 years, We've honed in on two or three varieties which we find are working exceptionally well and are creating beautifully tasting wine. Mr Hunt also said that the different types of grape produced here came from the cooler climates, saying that created a freshness in the wine which made it very drinkable and refreshing across the different colours and flavoured wines, with his current favourite being the Bacchus White. Other quality wines produced on site include its classic Cuvée Brut sparkling wine, the Penny Black and Penny Red and English Rose. Mr Hunt said that the estate worked as well as it did because of the people and the demand for more from the customers and said English wine worked because of the quality of the product. He said, Our customers keep coming back and we're making more award-winning wines than ever before. And what makes English wine special is that more people are willing to try it, and once they've tried it, they're willing to come back for more. The people here make it as well as everyone puts in a shift, and we all love the place, driving up to it in the beautiful countryside and the vines all around it. And we are a family-owned vineyard which always concentrates on producing the finest wines. Next up, we have Lifestyle Newsletter for July, providing you with all the information of the goings-on, events and activities happening here at the Beacon Centre. July. Hope everyone is good and enjoying the cricket. Woo-woo! Come on, England. Uh, we've had a wonderful weather in May and June, haven't we? Lovely to see the flowers and the trees and grass doing so well. I continue to put on as many activities as possible with all your amazing ideas. Keep them coming, lovelies. Remember, if you'd like to receive the newsletter in a different format, please contact Beacon on 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org. Have a fabulous July, lovelies, and see you soon. Bye. Monthly sessions for July. Wednesday the 5th of July, fishing at All Brighton, WV7 3FL, 11am to 2pm. All equipment and bait is provided, plus there will be an experienced trainer available to support you. The trip cost is £10 for an individual day session or £30 for pre-booking all four-day sessions on fixed dates. Minibus cost is £7 and departs at 10.30am, returning to Beacon at 2.30pm. All costs invoiced by Beacon. Thursday the 6th of July, Book Club at Dudley Library from 11am to 12pm. I'm excited to say we have been invited to the library for this month's book club meetup. 
staff from Dudley Library will be available to help deal with all membership and accessibility queries, plus offer any tech support, such as helping to set up any library apps on your mobile phones and devices. They will also be on hand to help browse through their huge range of books. The cost for the activity is £2 and £5 for the transport. We will be leaving Beacon at 10.30am and returning by 1pm. Monday the 10th of July, walking around Wombourne. This walk is on pavements, canal paths, along a railway line, across uneven surfaces and near busy roads and should take approximately two to three hours. Cost is £2, invoiced by Beacon. Minibus cost is £5, leaving Beacon at 10.30am and returning at approximately 2.30 to 3pm. If you are meeting us in Wombourne, please head to the Wagon and Horses, Wombourne, Wolverhampton, WV50AQ. We will meet in the car park, weather permitting. Wednesday the 12th of July and Monday the 24th of July, swimming at Bert Williams Centre Bilston, WV140EF. 10.45 to 11.45am, we have a private lane just for Beacon users. All abilities welcome. The activity cost is £6, invoiced by Beacon. Minibus costs £5 and departs at 10.15am and returns at 1pm to the Beacon. Lockers cost a pound or a trolley token. Monday the 17th and the 31st of July. Tandem bike ride at Bobbington Airport and the surrounding country roads. DY7 5DY. 10.30am to 1pm. Bikes are provided and there will be experienced lead riders present to support you. The trip cost is £3, invoiced by Beacon. Minibuds cost £7, departing at 10am and returning at 1.30pm to the Beacon, weather permitting. Friday the 21st of July, 10-pin bowling at Castlegate, Dudley, DY1-4TA. 11am to 1pm, all abilities are welcome with a friendly, fun atmosphere for social bowling. The activity cost is £2, invoiced by Beacon. £6.45 for two games, paying at the bowling alley on the day. Minibus cost £5, departs at 10.30am and returns at 2pm. Wednesday the 26th of July, Mary's Movement Class. A seated or standing class working the whole body with cardio, weights and strength to your ability. It's fun, friendly fitness with music of your choice from 10.30 to 11.30am based in the gym at Beacon. Class cost is £4.50 and invoiced by Beacon. Friday the 28th of July, walking around West Park, Wolverhampton, WV1 4SQ. From 11am to 12pm for a leisurely walk and 12 until 1pm to catch up in the cafe. Take it at your own pace and distance on a paved flat route. We'll meet at the Connaught Gate entrance. The activity cost is £2, invoiced by Beacon. Minibus costs £5 and departs at 10.30am, returning at 1.30pm. Volunteer guides are available, weather permitting. Please note, all activities must be booked in advance. Call 01902 880 
What's on this month? Anyone for a game of bowls? We have been invited to Dudley Sports Club in King George VI Park, Park Lane, Kings Winford, DY6 8AT, to try our hand at Crown Green Bowls on Friday 14th of July from 10.30am to 1pm. We will have some lovely volunteers helping us out and giving us all some very useful tips. Activity cost is £2, invoiced by Beacon. The minibus cost is £5 and will depart from Beacon at 10am, returning at 1.30pm, weather permitting. Our horse riding lessons at Warrens Hall Riding School, Tividale, B69 1PY, are fully booked for this month. But please do let me know if you're interested in future horse riding activities at Warrens Hall. The lessons tend to start at 11am and finish at 12pm. The class cost is usually £27, but booked through Beacon, you pay a discounted rate of £13 and Beacon pays the rest. Minibus travel to the riding school is available for £10, usually departing at 10am and returning to Beacon at 1pm. And... On Tuesday, 25th of July, we'll be visiting Albrighton Garden Centre, Newport Road, Albrighton, Wolverhampton, WV7 3EE, from 11am to 2pm. We will be exploring all the garden centre has to offer, from plants to homeware and gifts, plus enjoying a spot of lunch too. The activity cost is £2, invoiced by Beacon. The minibus cost is £7 and will be departing Beacon at 10.15am and returning at 2.30pm. VIP Group. We are a group of working-age people and or people who live independently with sight loss that meet once a month for social gathering. We're a friendly bunch that likes to try new activities, build friendships and encourage others to live life to the full. On Wednesday, the 26th of July, from 6pm to 8pm, there will be a VIP group meeting and meal at the Newbridge Stonehouse Carvery, Tetanel Road, Wolverhampton, WV6OJU. There will be a full menu available, from the carvery to a pizza, so there'll be plenty of options to choose from. Prices will vary. Everyone is welcome and we'd love to hear all your ideas for future VIP activities. The activity cost is £3 invoiced by Beacon and you need to book in advance your place with Mary. If you need help organising a taxi or public transport, please contact Mary for this too. What happened last month? We've got two beautiful pictures. One of the people who do our longer walks and one of the people who do our shorter walks. In May, we started on longer monthly walks. We walked the North Way and surrounding areas and did two and a half hours in total. In June, we headed to Himley and bumped into a Dalek and did three hours in the gorgeous sunshine. In July, we are going to Wombourne. We also still doing our monthly West Park walks, which are for all abilities. We arrive at 11 and walk as long as you want to go. If you want to rest, you head back to the cab. Hope you can join us on either or both. If you need a bit of help with reading, have you thought about trying a video magnifier? 
A video magnifier is where you look at reading material through a screen. Now, video magnifiers come in different sizes, so they can have small handheld magnifiers, small enough that you can take out with you, through to large desktop magnifiers that you keep permanently on a desk or a table. So a video magnifier, you can change magnification levels. So if your eyesight changes, you can press a button and increase the magnification level, or you can decrease the magnification level. The other advantage of a video magnifier is you can change contrast or backgrounds. So you might be looking at something in true color, but press a button, turn it into black and white, press the button again, turn it into reverse, so it's white writing on a black background, Press the button again and then again for different combinations. They can be yellow and black, black on yellow, blue on yellow. It's whatever suits you. It's whatever works for you. So there's lots of flexibility with a video magnifier. You can adjust the brightness on them as well. And some you can store pictures on there and some have reading lines to make it easy for you to follow text whilst you're reading. So if you are struggling a little bit, maybe a video magnifier could be the answer. Now, if you'd like to try one, you can here at Beacon. Just give us a call and make an appointment and bring something in with you that you struggle to read with and just try it and see if it helps you. So if you'd like to try a video magnifier, give us a call at Beacon on 01902 880 and ask for a sight loss advisor. So if you'd like an appointment to try a video magnifier, it's 01902 880 are you interested in any of our up-and-coming events? Please let me know and I can get them booked up if we get enough people interested. Our final petting zoo course starts on the 7th of September for six weeks. It will run on a Thursday between 11 and 12 and I am currently taking bookings. We will also be visiting the Wolverhampton Art Gallery in September, enjoying a private guided tour of their latest projects and displays. Are you interested in your family history or the local history of your area you live in? If so, this might be right up your street. Dudley Archives have set up a new buddy scheme where someone can help you look up your family history or local history. We have limited numbers available for this session that will be running on Tuesdays throughout September from 12 till 2. Get in touch if you are interested. If you're feeling a bit more active, then a local kickboxing club would love to work with visually impaired people. They are looking to hold an interactive session at the Beacon Centre. Would you like to join us? Do you know your spares from your strikes and your turkeys? If you like your temping bowling, then this could be right up your alley. As Beacon are looking to put on a champion team for a local charity match in September or October. We should be playing against another local charity and it should prove to be a big hit. It could lead to an annual event. This is all good fun and it's about enjoying yourself so all abilities are welcome. And as a reminder, if you are unable to join our book club meetups on a Thursday, but would like to receive books of your choice from the library in either large print or audio, please contact Mary and she'd arrange for you to receive several books a month. Thank you. July's Meet the Staff is Rebecca Windle, or Becky, to everyone who knows her. She has worked at Beacon for two and a half years as the manager of our Sedgley charity shop, which is based at the same site as our centre. Becky says, I am the leader of a fabulous team in our Sedgley shop, which generates income for our charity from people's donations of clothing, homeware and furniture. Her favourite thing about the role is the people she works with. 
they are like her family. My team, she says, are all very supportive, hardworking and very driven to raise funds for the Beacon. I also enjoy the fact that it's a fast pace of working and every day is completely different. Becky says before joining Beacon, she'd worked everywhere from holiday camps to care homes before moving into retail about 25 years ago, initially for a sports company, then shoes and now into the charity chapter. When not at work, she loves to be camping, taking holidays abroad, reading and cooking. If you have any goods you'd like to donate to Beacon Shops, you can either pop into any of the sites when they're open, or you can, if you require a furniture collection, you can call them on 01902 880 111. Find your nearest shop on our website, www.beaconvision.org shops. Sedgley Lifestyle Centre. We are open Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday from 10am to 3pm at our base in Sedgley. We run several activities each day, including cookery, crafting, pottery, computer work, gym sessions, listening to music, quizzes and reminiscing. We keep well hydrated with tea, coffee and water and we have the restaurant to attend to for a hot meal if we don't bring our sandwiches with us. We are lively, fun and love to have a laugh. Why not come and join us? for a trial day. We have Terry coming in on Thursday the 26th of April to play his guitar and sing and we have Austin coming in on Thursday the 11th of May to play his violin. Contact Beacons Reception and ask for more information. You can call us on 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org. It's competition time at Beacon and we need your help with designing a brand new thank you card. Since our last competition back in 2021, nearly 400 of our special thank you cards have been handwritten and sent to donors, volunteers and organisations who support Beacon. Our current thank you card has been loved by everyone and we've had lots of feedback about how special it is to receive a card. We're really proud of the part it plays in connecting Beacon and our supporters. But now we've decided it's time for a new card and we want to let your creative flair flow and for you to design it for us. The only rule for the competition is that all designs must comprise the words thank you. How though is entirely up to you. You could paint, mould, sew or even knit it. All entries should be given into reception by Friday the 1st of September 2023 and they must include your full name and contact number. The winning design will be chosen in September and will be printed on the front of our brand new cards. If you've got any questions, please email supporters or beaconvision.org or ask to speak to a member of a fundraising team at reception. We can't wait to see your fantastic ideas. And finally, just a quick reminder, there is still accommodation at Beacon Court. Beacon Court is located in Sedgley, just a short distance from Wolverhampton City Centre. We have parks, local shops and public transport links right on our doorstep, offering you comfort, security and convenience alongside the independent living and a wide variety of choices. Each home has its own front door, individual access card, two bedrooms, a store, a wet shower room, 
aligned with kitchen and appliances, gas central heating, UVBC glazed windows. Beacon provides a 24-7 care team on site to deal with any emergencies 365 days a year. And there's a pull cord in each apartment that you help raise an emergency. You also get a 30-minute-a-week wellbeing post call from either Suki or Amanda. And they help go through things like your post, paying bills and just giving you some extra support. If you or you know of anyone else who might be interested, please call Bromford on 01902 882 170 to speak to the scheme manager. Regarding getting in touch with Beacon, we have our website, which is www.beaconvision.org, Facebook at Beacon Centre, Twitter at Beacon Centre, Instagram at Beacon Vision. Our main address for the building in Sedgley is Wolverhampton Road East, WV46AZ. And don't forget, if you want to opt out of receiving this newsletter, please contact the Beacon on 01902 880 111. Have a fabulous month. Coming up next on this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have another block of local news. A guide dog owner from the West Midlands says that being refused access to taxis, a shop and even her local GP in the region because of her guide dog has left her feeling isolated and like a second class citizen. Rachel Martin had retinoblastoma as a child and is registered blind. She says she's had multiple instances of people refusing her access or questioning her access right since being partnered with her first guide dog, Jamie. In October last year, Rachel ordered an Uber taxi to take her and Jamie to her place of work. Rachel said, I had a notification to say the driver had arrived. I tried to call and message explaining that I might need some help to the car but couldn't get through. In the end, I went into a chemist nearby and asked if they had seen an Uber. The chemist said it had pulled up outside and then driven off. Suspecting this was because the driver had seen her guide dog, Rachel raised it with Uber and questioned the cancellation fee she had been charged. Rachel added, they did apologise and said they wouldn't send that particular driver again. On another occasion, Rachel had been out with her husband and children and ordered an Uber taxi to take them home. Rachel's husband witnessed the taxi driver arrive, see the family and Rachel with her guide dog and then drive straight off. She says because of these issues, she usually uses Uber Assist and has had more positive experiences despite the other incidents. Rachel has also had a GP asking her if she can wait outside at an appointment with her 12-year-old son because the doctor was fearful of her guide dog. In another incident, a shop security guard threatened to call his manager because Rachel had entered the shop with Jamie. Rachel said, with taxi refusals, to feel stranded and isolated is very frightening as someone with little or no vision. I have been given such a gift with Jamie. Prior to having him, I was in a very isolated situation. Now, with Jamie, I can enjoy going out again, walking in the fresh air and going to the shops. When your access is denied, it takes you back to feeling isolated again. It makes you feel like a second-class citizen. It's a basic human right which is being denied. I don't think people should be penalised for having a wonderful creature who is an assistance to them. 
New research released by the Guide Dogs charity has revealed more than 35% of people in the Midlands think the government is not doing enough to tackle the issue of access refusals experienced by guide and other assistance dog owners. The charity is calling on the government to take action to strengthen the law and to end illegal access refusals. Eleanor Briggs, Head of Policy, Public Affairs and Campaigns at Guide Dogs, said Guide Dog owners deserve to be able to live the lives they want and feel confident, independent and supported in the world. However, too many Guide Dog owners continue to face discrimination and are turned away because they have their Guide Dog with them. That's why we are calling on the government to take action to strengthen the law to end the unacceptable discrimination experienced by many guide dog owners when they are turned away for having their guide dog with them. For more information about Guide Dog's Open Doors campaign or to sign the petition in support of stronger legislation, visit guidedogs.org.uk. A blind mother of five is about to realise her dream by competing for her country at the International Blind Sport Federation World Games. Trish Grace Smith from West Bromwich, who took up archery after losing her sight to a series of strokes, is delighted the Games are on her doorstep in Birmingham this summer. Trish was just 33 when she had her first stroke, with several major and minor strokes following until she was diagnosed with vascular dementia aged just 45. As well as memory loss, the strokes triggered a number of vision problems which gradually led Trish to fully lose her sight five years ago, a moment which she admitted left her in shock. She took up archery to help to get her into a regular routine and keep herself both mentally and physically active and competed in her first competition in 2021 against other blind and partially sighted as well as fully sighted archers. She has since won more than seven trophies and various medals and has even become a three-time record holder, topping the visually impaired archery charts in Great Britain for the 18 meters and 25 meters indoor and WA1440 outdoor distances. Now she is set to compete on her biggest stage yet as she represents her country and takes on the best in the world at the 2023 International Blind Sport Federation World Games which is being held in the UK for the first time in August. Sponsored by RNIB, the event will see more than 1,250 competitors from 70 nations descend on Birmingham between August the 18th and the 27th. Trish said, If you ask, am I looking forward to it? I am. And I'm not. I'm also terrified, said Trish. But I'm also really proud and surprised as to how far I've come in such a short amount of time. I've wanted to do archery ever since I was young and actually played occasionally when my kids were young and I missed everything in sight. She added, to lose my sight and end up doing what I wanted to do as a youngster is something I did not think was possible. So I hope this World Games will get the message over that if you have got a dream, don't quit on it.
The 57-year-old, who is also a Merlin Archer Ambassador, competes in the B1 sight classification for those who are totally or almost totally blind. And the former engineer says it has helped to fill a gap that was left after she lost her sight. Recollecting her sight loss, she added, It has been like a curtain that has just been falling and falling. It almost felt tangible to me, and at times I still feel like I can open the curtains, but it isn't going to happen. I started noticing something was going on 10 years ago, and the biggest clue was when I shut my hand in a car door and broke my thumb. I was diagnosed with hemianopia to begin with, which meant I lost one half of my sight, but the other side was going too. It left in increments, and in 2015 I was told it couldn't be rectified. That's when it hit me the hardest. When the curtain fell, I was in shock. Trish was already diagnosed with vascular dementia at the time, having suffered multiple strokes since 1999. Each one took something from me, she said. She has been helped on her pathway into archery by a host of organisations such as Sandwell Visually Impaired, British Blind Sport and Archery GB who encouraged her into the sport after she tried a taster session in her local area. She is also part of two archery groups, Walsall Company of Archers and Wolverhampton Company of Archers and trains every week. Sharing the journey with her is her former neighbour of 20 years, Steve Aldrich. Steve, 66, who is originally from Smethwick but now lives in Warsaw, is Trish's spotter, which means he assists with safety issues and keeps track of her scores. He said, Funnily enough, I'm not a sporty person and have never done archery myself, but I try and help out where I can. Up now? It's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger, and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone, I hope you're all as well as can be. So, here I am, fresh back from my week in Wales, which provided us with a very kind sunny weather, I'm pleased to say. Any road up. It prompted me to think about seaside holidays. So, did you know that? Us English are to blame for our love of holidays by the sea, because during the Industrial Revolution, the posh upper classes flocked to the coast to take the healing powers of sea bathing and fresh air, to rid themselves of gout, leprosy, rickets, melancholy, and a host of other ailments of the day. With the coming of the railways that transported the elite to the coast, many resorts prospered with Brighton, Scarborough and Margate, some of the first coastal communities to benefit. As the rail network grew, so did the number of coastal towns who invested in the new treatment. Of course, in reverse, the railways took fresh fish and other seafood, passed it back into the cities for all to enjoy. But female swimmers in European beaches in Georgian and Victorian times were required to prepare in swimming cabins, also known as bathing machines. Ladies could thus escape straight into the sea without being seen by the opposite sex. To prevent showing off their legs, which was considered scandalous and improper, women would sew weights into the hems of their swimming garments. Skip forward a hundred years or so, if you would, to 1946, when French designer Louis Rayard introduced his daring two-piece, flesh-exposing swimwear, the bikini for women. 
expecting it to explode onto the market, he named it after the Pacific Atoll of Bikini, where America had tested its atomic bomb. Now, if you want to take your bikini and show it off on a different beach, why not take a look at bubblegum pink sand, which exists in some beaches in the Bahamas, Greece and Indonesia, or go for the green sand beaches of Norway, Guam and Ecuador. But of course, there are the famous snow-white sands of tropical islands, but don't get too excited, because these glorious beaches are the result of parrotfish poo. These fleshy fish munch on dead corals. Unable to metabolize their coral skeletons, they excrete kilos and kilos of it as a white sand. In essence, they poop out paradise to sink your toes in. What a conclusion to this week's Did You Knows. I think if I ever found myself on a beach like that, I'd keep my socks on, in true British holidaymaker style, complete with knotted hanky on my head, what a dashing picture I'd make, eh? But for now, though, it's back to earth, I'll have a cuppa, and I'll water my garden sparingly as it looks a bit limp. Till next week, then, I'll say bye for now. ta a bit. ta Up now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, as always, by Mina. The weather for this week ahead is forecast to be rather unsettled with some more sunny spells but plenty of showers too. Temperatures are also forecast to be a little milder at 20 degrees. With more cloud and showers expected, UV levels are set to return down to medium. The sunrise and sunset times of 4.50am for the sunrise and 9.35pm for the sunset. For Friday 30th of June is forecast to be wet with a small chance of sunshine breaking through in the morning. With a moderate breeze, temperatures are expected to be comfortable at 20 degrees. A spell of rain looks set to remain with us throughout the weekend, with both Saturday and Sunday offering a mix of sunny spells and showers. With a moderate breeze and some sunny spells about, temperatures over the weekend will remain around 21 degrees. On to next week and the unsettled weather will continue to dominate with plenty of sharp showers to welcome in the month of July. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region from Monday 3rd of July and continue right through to Thursday 6th of July. With a moderate breeze expected, temperatures should continue to hover around 21 degrees. The showers are forecast to be light but persistent all week but should ease off at times with a chance of some sunny intervals breaking through. All in all, it looks like our brollies may return this week. So that's your forecast for this week. And as always, enjoy the weather. Just for that weather update, Mina. Up now, a special edition of this week's football feature from Ian. It's been an emotional week at Molyneux, with tributes paid following the sudden death of Cédric Roussel, the former Wolves striker who reportedly suffered a cardiac arrest and passed away on Saturday afternoon at the age of just 45. The Belgian played for Wolves 25 times between 2001 and 2003, 
scoring two goals, having spent two years at Coventry City in the Premier League with 11 goals scored. Roussel spent two years on Wolves' books, but joined Belgian club Mont on loan in his second season at the Molyneux, then left England in 2003, putting pen to paper with Genk. The striker, who also made three appearances for the Belgium national team, went on to represent an additional 11 clubs in a number of countries before finally calling time on his career in 2015 and beginning a career in real estate. His untimely death has prompted tributes from his former clubs and from the Belgian national team, with a spokesman saying, We send our condolences to the family and friends of Cédric Roussel. Wolves' official Twitter account posted a picture of Roussel during his time at the club and said, Our hearts go out to the family and friends of Cédric Roussel. Coventry City's official Twitter account said, Coventry City are deeply saddened to learn of the death of our former striker Cédric Roussel at the age of just 45. Cédric played 43 games for the Sky Blues from 1999 to 2001, scoring 11 goals. Our condolences are with his family and friends at this very sad time. A tearful Ruben Neves also said goodbye to Wolves after completing his move to Saudi Arabia's Al-Hilal. The midfielder, who embodied the resurgence of the club from Championship also runs to Premier League regulars, leaves after six years at Molyneux. The 26-year-old, adored by fans for his stunning goals and commanding performances, issued a video to fans on his departure. In it, he thanks teammates, club staff and supporters for memories that will last forever. The midfielder said, I've worked with so many great people along the way, from the kit men to the kitchen staff, ground staff to the board members, from the physios to coaches, technical staff and media. A big thank you to every single person I had the chance to work with. Every single moment was unforgettable. He adds, to all of the players who were part of the club during the last six years, you are friends for life. The way we protected the pack was really incredible. The way we worked together, the way we fought for the club, what we achieved and all the moments we spent together was unbelievable. There are no words to describe our dressing room with a team spirit that I've never experienced before. And then to become captain for the final year made me so proud. Thank you guys. What we did will be in the club's history forever. And he saved his biggest tribute for the Molyneux faithful, stating he will remain a massive fan for life. The Portugal International adds, I cannot thank you enough for the welcome. I cannot thank you enough for the way you treated me and mainly for the way you adopted my family as your own. The way you support the team is unreal. I was surprised when I came here at the start of the championship season, but now I will be one of you. He continues, it really feels like home here and we will never, ever forget you. Six years is a long way, a long time. My kids grew up in Wolverhampton, and they were so happy here. Me and my lovely wife will never forget the time we had here as a family, and I hope we can keep this big connection. I leave as a player, but I will always be a wolf, no matter what. Thank you for everything, and I will see you in the South Bank one day. Wolves Awe. Shortly afterwards, Al-Hilal released a series of photos to announce Neves' arrival. Over at the Hawthorns and Albion's Chinese owners have begun actively seeking investment and are prepared to sell the club for around £60 million. 
The baggies are on the market with controversial controlling shareholder Guachuan Lai prepared to cut his losses after seven years at the helm. Talks have already been held with a group, which includes Egyptian businessman Mohamed El Kashashi and Manchester-based sports lawyer Chris Farnell over the purchase of a minority stake, though several other parties are thought to be interested. It is understood Albion's owners now value the club at around £60 million, a figure which would include paying off the current debts. The sum is a long way short of the £200 million plus Lai's Yunyi Guokai Shanghai Sports Development Limited paid former chairman Jeremy Peace for his 88% shareholding in 2016. Previous inquiries from investors had been rejected because Lai was not interested in a sale and ideally wanted to recoup as much of the money as possible. But with the club now out of Premier League parachute payments and ownership unwilling or unable to invest, there is an increased willingness to consider offers for either a partial or full sale. The need for fresh funds has become increasingly urgent. Albion's debts include a £20 million loan taken out earlier this year to help with the day-to-day running of the business. With Albion confirming that Republic of Ireland international defender Dara O'Shea has completed a move to Burnley for a fee of £7 million, the club must also sell players this summer in order to balance the books. Supporters group Action for Albion, set up last season due to the growing financial concerns, were informed of the owner's renewed willingness to listen to offers of investment at a meeting with Mark Miles, the Baggies' new chief executive, on Wednesday evening. On the pitch, and Albion kick off their championship season with a trip to Blackburn Rovers. The Baggies visit Ewood Park on Saturday, August the 5th, to begin a tough first month of the campaign, which sees Carlos Corberan's team face a string of opponents who will hope to be in the promotion hunt. It is the fourth time in five seasons Albion will have started their season on the road. The Baggies' first home fixture is against Swansea on August the 12th before they visit newly relegated Leeds on August the 19th and then host Middlesbrough on August the 26th. Huddersfield visit the Hawthorns on September the 2nd before the first international break of the season. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question one. Why did sea bathing become popular? And the answer is for its so-called healing power. Question two. What brought prosperity to seaside towns? And the answer here is the railways. Question three. What were swimming cabins also known as? And the answer here is bathing machines. Question four. In what year did the bikini first appear? And the answer here is 1946. Question five. What colour sand can you find on some beaches in the Bahamas? And the answer here is 
bubblegum pink. And finally, question six. What is the name of the fish responsible for the snow white tropical sands? And the answer, the parrot fish. Did you get them all right? I'm sure you did. If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you all once again. Bye for now. Time now for our latest edition of Sight Loss Tips, provided by the charity InfoSound. For further details on any of the items and practical information in this bulletin, you can also contact Beacon's team of Sight Loss Advisors on 01902 880 and that number again, 01902 TNF Soundings Features from across the UK News and information about living with sight loss from InfoSound. Hello and a warm welcome to InfoShorts from InfoSound, a brief bulletin of news, advice and practical information to help living with sight loss. And in this edition, a Daisy CD cookery book, the National Federation of the Blind of the UK, one cup water boilers, stand magnifiers and iron blind badges. Now, if cooking is your thing, then you might well collect cookery books. And RNIB, as part of its range of navigable Daisy Audio CD publications, has produced one such, which is called the Classic 1000 Recipes. Compiled by Wendy Hobson, RNIB describes it as a compilation by leading cookery writers who have contributed recipes to this collection, which covers the complete range of cooking in 28 sections. This audiobook has been read by RNIB volunteers and lasts for roughly 22 hours in all. But being a daisy book, it can, if played on a daisy player, be easily searched and navigated from recipe to recipe and all on a single CD. As this is one of RNIB's Daisy On Demand books, the audio disc is made to order and is non-returnable unless, of course, faulty. InfoSound the National Federation of the Blind of the UK, NFB UK, is a membership organisation of blind and partially sighted people, and it describes itself as working and campaigning on behalf of others in the UK with similar difficulties, so that blind, deafblind and partially sighted people can be treated equally and receive the same dignity and respect as other members of society, who they say should be able to move safely around local areas, take part in education and training get a job, have a social life, basically to do exactly what the average UK citizen expects to do. The NFB UK is strictly non-party political and works with many other charities and organisations, and also with local and national government departments and committees who make decisions that affect blind and partially sighted people by keeping them updated about problems and issues faced in a bid to find solutions. The NFB UK has a network of local branches around the country and a postal branch for those members not able to get to a local group. They also have an online e-group and they produce a national audio magazine where members can exchange views about subjects that affect or interest them. They also circulate a bi-monthly magazine called Fed News, which contains news and views from branches, members, government and other sources in both audio and as an email. If you'd like to find out more about joining or taking part in campaigns, etc., the NFB UK can be phoned on 01 
0192429131313. That's 0192429131313. Or emailed at admin at nfbuk.org. Infosound. Hi, I'm Jackie from Blackford, West Yorkshire. I would like to say I found it very useful, a one-cup dispenser. It's really good and I really love it because I cannot use a kettle. Thank you. Bye. Many thanks for calling in that recommendation, Jackie. Now, if you haven't come across the one-cup concept before, they're basically small water boilers that sit on a table or worktop, much like one of those coffee-making machines. As soon as the water has boiled, just the right amount is poured into a cup or mug that you've placed underneath the downward-pointing spout, hence the one-cup name, and you don't need to lift or tilt a kettle. There are dozens of different types and models on the market, and prices might typically range from, say, £25 up to £50 or more. And if you're able to browse and shop online, you'll also find quite a few to choose from there. InfoSound. Now, a quick mention about stand magnifiers, which are fixed focus lenses that, as the name suggests, sit above the page you're reading or something you're holding. So, obviously, they're great for hands-free viewing. There are quite a few varieties of stand magnifier around. For example, Optima Low Vision Services sells the Coil High Powered Stand Magnifier range. There are seven magnification strengths to choose from, between 3 times and 15 times magnification. Optima also sells four other types of stand magnifier. These are generally larger than the coil range and have rectangular lenses. Two of the four have 1.7 times magnification and the other two are 2.5 and 3 times. So unlike the others that Optima sells, the height can be adjusted to suit. By the way, the 2.5 and 3 times magnification models also double as hand magnifiers as they each have a handle. One thing to always add when talking about any type of lens magnifier is just how important having the right lighting in the right place can be. All the stand magnifiers we've mentioned here are non-illuminated themselves. So as well as asking Optima or whoever you talk to about the magnifiers, you might like to also discuss how they can best be used and in particular where lighting should be directed to get the best results. InfoSound If you feel comfortable using the term blind or severely sight impaired to describe your level of sight, then you might be interested to know about a simple idea that could help in certain circumstances when you're out and about. And Anita Plant from the Partially Sighted Society joining us now. I think this particular daily living aid, if I can call it that, has recently arrived with you due to popular demand. Yes, we've had quite a lot of requests over the last few weeks for badges that say, I am blind. We have the badge that uses our symbol of visual disability, which says partially sighted. So we're going to add to that range and add another badge that actually says, I am blind. So that can be used in those circumstances where you feel you need to let others know that you don't have any vision, because sometimes it's not always obvious to people and people report back that it just changes the conversation that you have with people in that kind of public environment. So are these lapel badges, what do they actually look like for someone who can see them? It's a lapel badge. It's yellow. 
background, bright yellow background. The one side is slightly circular, which takes up the round eye symbol of visual disability, the shaded eye symbol. And then next to that, it has the words, I am blind. Super. Thank you very much indeed, Anita. Okay, thank you. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Info Shorts Bulletin from InfoSound. We hope you found something of use here, and please do tell anyone you feel might find Info Shorts of use about this free service. So that's it for now. We hope you can join us next week, and until then, goodbye and thank you for listening. InfoSound. TNS Soundings. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us. Stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!